Podcast Answer Man, episode number 33. This show is sponsored by AG Design. Need a new website, logo, or artwork for your podcast? Visit AGEEDesign.com today. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and I'm so glad you've joined us today for this very special episode. I am very honored to have with me today a fellow podcaster, somebody that has slowly uh, become a friend over uh, the past, I guess, year now that uh, I hooked up with Victor Kahiel. Kahiel, that's kind of close. <laughs> Kahiel, all right. I know yeah. I've always had a very hard time pronouncing your last name, Victor, but uh, I think um, everybody might uh, be familiar with him, especially if you happen to be a Mac fanboy out there in the community. Uh, Victor does probably one of the most uh, popular out there, at least in the top five of Mac podcasts, called the Typical Mac User Podcast. Victor, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you for joining us for today's interview. I appreciate the invite. So uh, what I've what I'm hoping to do here, Victor, with the podcast answer man, is really pick the brains, the minds, and the and get some insight from fellow podcasters, specifically ones that have been somewhat successful in gaining a large audience and building and developing a community around what you're doing. And uh, so really, that's the whole gist of this. The the average listener of the Podcast Answer Man is somebody who is probably just starting out in the area of podcasting or somebody that is somewhat seasoned and looking for new ideas. And uh, tell us real quickly, what what is the typical Mac user podcast? Well, what it is from where it was or how it started are probably two different things. So where it started was a podcast that was really meant to be for brand new switchers, people like me back in uh, late 2005, I checked out a Macintosh. I had a typical PC user podcast at that time because I started podcasting in April of 05. And uh, at that time, I wanted to check out the Mac. I did. I liked it. I put a, a couple of episodes up in the typical PC user podcast called Mac Switcher Chronicles. And mm. I did not get good reception uh, to that from the PC community. They were none too happy with the fact that I was even dipping my toe in the water. Um, needless to say, I kept the PC show going all the way until I think it was October of 2006. So I kept doing PC-based podcasting at the same time I started in January of 06 the typical Mac user podcast. At that time, October of 06, I was just done with uh, PCs. Um, you know, I just didn't have it in my heart. And I'd always told that audience, which was rather large as well, that if I ever stopped having a passion for what I was doing, I would tell them. So I did. And I could shut off that show and continued to doing the typical Mac user podcast, which is really for everybody. It's just typical, but I have kind of found through using the Mac that I don't know if there is a typical Mac user Every one of them seems to be unique, although there are commonalities. Very cool. Let me ask you, how many subscribers would you say you had to the typical PC user podcast when when, uh, when you canceled it? About 2,800 at that time, I think. Wow. And and was that a hard decision for you, or, or has podcasting always been more than just about uh, a sizable audience? Oh, it's always been about more than the size of the audience, but the audience uh, really, really counts. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and uh, 
I'm not one of those podcasters that uh, at this point would say, oh, yeah, I would do it for three people as well as 2,500 people. I, I wouldn't. Um, right. So that's just a fact. Sorry if you don't like it. It's just no, the way no. it is. Not you, but, you know, I mean, general people. Because sure. not, I believe the germ is still there, but I believe that we have gone past that infancy of podcasting where that was okay. Yes. You know, I, I think that it's grown, it's evolved. And uh, anyways... Um, so you were asking how many? Yeah, that's how, my, how many I had in, in that show at that time. Now, being that this is more than about numbers, obviously, uh, I know that you have developed quite a community surrounding your podcast. Uh, and being that the, the typical PC user community isn't mm-hmm. one that is readily acceptable of switching over to the typical Mac user kind of uh, podcast, mm-hmm. um, I, I would have to imagine that being... Uh, as well related and connected to to many of your listeners, a, a good number, even probably even a high percentage of them did switch. But I'm sure that there were um, a, a decent number of people that you were fairly well connected and were felt very well connected to you, but they just were not interested in switching over to the Mac. Was that difficult? Yeah, it was difficult. I had I had devoted people who were listening to me and liked the show, and and uh, and when I left, a lot of them were very disappointed. Uh, it's a good thing that all along the way I had said, you know, this is part of why I'm doing this. If I ever lose the passion, I'll let you know. And, uh, and I did. So, and what I, which I think is a good, just a role model for anything, anybody who's doing podcasting, say what you're going to do. If you're going to put out a biweekly show, put out a biweekly show or tell your audience that you're not going to. That communication is very important. Um, it lessened the blow. Um, and the other thing was I was able to refer them to a couple of PC-based podcasts that I had a lot of respect for. And so as I left, I said, you know, go over to this community and continue to do what you're doing there. And, and that helps soften that blow as well. Yeah. It was difficult, Cliff. Absolutely. And, and and I don't know about you, but I'm I'm a not only am I a podcaster, but I'm a people pleaser. Uh, and, and I think mm-hmm. some I think many of us are deep down somewhere. And and I I have to imagine just how difficult it is to turn around, you know. But yet at the, at the same time, I I totally understand where you're coming from with with not having the passion. And and uh, there were times in the weekly loss podcast that I had kind of the passion had died down, but I was just so people pleaser happy that that I continued to do it, and and it burned me out at one point in time. And and I did take a couple months off, and I came back refreshed and renewed. But uh, mm-hmm. that, that's a battle we podcasters uh, have to fight sometimes is is this this desire to please people and to keep people happy, um, which leads me to my next question. Victor, I can't imagine with your cheerful spirit and and just how generally uh, uplifting, encouraging you are on a regular basis. It just it comes through your voice when you're mm-hmm. doing a podcast. However, I want everybody to understand this. Have you ever gotten any hate mail? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hate mail, stalker mail. Uh, sure, sure. That kind of stuff comes across. I got one just the other day, you know, when I was talking about security on the Mac and someone just uh, said it was painful to listen to you talk about this, you know, and it was uh, it was a very poignant email uh, that really blasted me, you know, and it was like, okay, you know, you have to learn how to take those things. There's going to be a percentage of people that aren't going to be happy. The wonderful thing is that they have the opportunity to continue to listen or not continue to listen, and uh, you know I'm I'm not perfect. I'm I'm learning. I'm a learner. I am not an expert. This is not an expert podcast where I'm I'm the expert and you are not the expert. This is a community podcast 
where we, the we is more important than the me, uh, the me gets to benefit from the we. Absolutely. And I think that's what really sets podcasting aside from broadcast radio. So many radio stations, uh, when they hire people to be personalities on the radio, they Mm -hmm. hire them to be experts in the field. And very rarely do you see somebody that has no college degree and and hasn't written three or four books about the subject in which they will be covering in their radio broadcast. Whereas in podcasting, you can get somebody just who is just downright passionate about a subject and they know nothing about it, but they're willing to learn. And all of a sudden, they can develop a great community podcast that just really helps everybody in the process. And and I find that just being genuine and honest about the fact that you're not an expert really helps people to come alongside you and say, you know what, let's let's go on this journey together. It, it seems like they warm up to you faster, wouldn't you say? Oh, you bet. You bet. If I didn't do that, uh, you know, I would really be getting... Uh... What, what do they call it? Um, flamed. <laughs> That's it. What, what's amazing to me, Victor, is, is of course, I'm a, I'm a brand new Mac user. You're aware mm-hmm. of that. Yes, uh, I am. <laughs> and so, you know, I listen to your show, and I feel like I'm in the graduate school of Mac podcasting. You know, I, I, I kind of listened in to your whole security thing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm afraid now. What am I supposed to do? And I heard heard your guest talking about all the steps that one could take if they were affected by whatever security issue it was, and, and it just seems so far light years beyond my understanding of the OS that is OS X um, that, that, to me, you guys seem like experts. Now, I mean, you are in there. You're definitely... Uh, well-trained in Mac. How, how long have you been podcasting in that area? Oh, in the Mac area? Only yeah. since January of 06. Okay. So, and I've only owned a Mac since October of 05. But I've been in computing. I'm an IT professional, and I've been doing that for about 18 years. And uh, the disciplines are the same. It's just a, a different name, and you have to learn uh, you know, where things are. You're learning that now. And, uh, I mean, Steve Stanger, who you're talking about from the MacAttack.us, you know, he is a certified Apple professional. So, uh, you know, I was kind of playing straight man to him. And although I could follow the conversation, uh, you know, that's taken a lot of time. And I've worked really hard to learn the OS because it is my primary OS now. This is where I'm going to live. So I really do have to get to know it. Do you ever get burned out? Oh, sure. Sure, I get burned out. Yeah. And how do you, uh, how do you deal with it? Well, uh, ooh, that's a really good question. I just pick up the microphone and, and do the next indicated thing, you know. And, uh, and for me, that's, um, you know, that's that one email that you get that says, wow, I really loved what you what I heard or I really learned something or I was able to help my mom with a problem because of something I heard on the show. You know, you get that one email and it's just it's that payback and you say, you know what, this is okay. And you trudge forward and you do what you need to do. Now, of course, for me, I make money podcasting, and that is also a very big motivator for me to continue to do it. Very good. And that, and you bring up a, a, a that brings up a whole other subject that the listeners of this podcast, Answer Man, are very interested in hearing about is making sure. money. What are some of the ways that you're making money? Well, for me, it really has been um, TalkShoe. I mean, TalkShoe has been the money making part of. Uh, you know, my little tiny business now. Um, and uh, they've been a very good business partner to work with, a lot of flexibility. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, among the podcasting community, you know, of TalkShoe kind of draining uh, 
draining money. You know, they're going to run out of money. Maybe they will. Um, but I know that up to this point, I've been able to collect the check, you know, on the ninth of every month. And it's a substantial amount. And it keeps me in gear. And I've been really upfront with the entire podcasting community that listen to my show and say, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm making. Here's what I'm using it for. Support the sponsor. Support TalkShoe. So I've done that. I've also brought sponsors into TalkShoe. Sponsors that I got that I could have said, okay, I'm going to do that business deal all on my own and take the entire share of that and keep all of it. But mm-hmm. I haven't done that. I've gone to talk to you and said, here's a sponsor that I'm bringing to you. Take your fair share. Take care of the business end of this transaction. And this is how we do this quid pro quo thing. And we make it work for all of us. So, you know, you got to really be careful between that line of greed and the line of what's right. And to me, it's always that, you know, um, what are my motives? What are my motives? That's what I always check uh, myself or whenever I'm doing something like that. Absolutely. And and for those of you who are listening uh, to the podcast Answer Man, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard a lot of uh, about TalkShoe um, in the past here. And I, I completely stand behind everything uh, that we've said about them in the past. And, and they're an excellent company. And again, uh, Victor, like you, I get a check on the ninth of each month. Um, however, I do want to just give just a brief update on TalkShoe and say that uh, it's it's more of an incentive for those who are doing live and interactive podcasts these days. Oh, yes. Yeah, good point. And uh, for those of you who are very much thinking about going into this with uh, serious emphasis on the business aspect of it and you have no desire to go into live and interactive, um, I'll just say that, and I think in all fairness, I think TalkShoe would agree and our good friends in, in the corporate offices there would agree that that you know, it, right now at this point in their stage, TalkShoe is not the best fit for uh, for a podcaster that's not looking to go live and interactive. But I, I strongly encourage you to at least uh, check out how live and interactive could um, work for you. Now, Victor, before TalkShoe came along, you were still doing podcasting and you were not live and inter- interactive. Is that correct? That's correct. I, w- I was not. <laughs> what can you tell me? What podcasting was like before live and interactive, and what dynamics kind of changed after live and interactive? Well, I do both still. I do a Wednesday show that is not live and interactive, still a studio show. I consider it my more of my uh, tutorial, you know, one to many type show, uh, and so I still do that. So I know what that's like. And then Sundays, it's the interactive live, and this conversation starts to happen, which. Um, really for me was the best of both worlds. I can still control enough of the things that I wanted to control, the audio quality, what the production was going to be about, direct the conversation or, or and the audience from the point of view of um, moderating. But I could still also get their point of view. And it opened up, I think, a whole new world for me. Although I agree with you, it's, it's not for everybody and not just because of the money. It's hard. It's really hard to do a live show by yourself without an engineer. Yes. It's, I mean, you really have to have a, a unique set of overlapping skills that many, many people don't have. So I don't want to be Pollyanna about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've started to produce a show for somebody else who didn't want to deal with that technical end of it. They just wanted to be talent live and interactive, which that was great. I can do that. Absolutely. And, and I think you're helping some people in that area, aren't you? I do. I help some people with just kind of let's get going in that area. And then uh, in the case of Adam Christensen from the MacCast Loop, uh, I actually produce his show and do all of the technical ends of it. I've kind of become a co-host on it as well. 
but he doesn't have to worry about it. He, he's just a talent, and he goes away, and I take care of everything else at that point. Well, let me ask you, how, how are you doing that show, just from a technical point of view? Uh, what, what are you doing to set that up uh, in, in equipment-wise? I think much like you, I think you've talked about your setup, and it's, uh, we have a very similar setup in that way. And so that is that I am using and recording locally. I'm not using any of Talkshoe's recording capabilities at this time at all. Haven't been for months. So I record a Skype call like the one you and I are having now. I get the host on the line, and then at that point, I'm recording externally on a Tascam HDP2 going through a Mackie Onyx 1220, and then my interface from an audio perspective back to TalkShoe is a Telus One Plus One digital hybrid, which is a telephone, uh, connects your regular POTS telephone line and brings it onto the board. So I connect the audience from TalkShoe onto Adams and I conversation through Skype. I join those up and record at the highest quality possible. And of course I have uh, sound bites for OS 10 that I use to play intros, outros, commercials, music, that kind of thing. Wonderful. Now, the te- tell us about the, what was the Telos model that you have? The one that I have is called the Telos One Plus One Retail Twenty Four Ninety Nine, and it's two Telos One units. Usually, the Telos One sells uh, by itself for about seven hundred, I think, and it's a single unit. Well, this has two Telos Ones in one rack mount unit, and they are able to be bridged. So I could take a second telephone line, and now I can bridge a three-way call if I wanted to or multiple calls through this unit through one interface. Now, I'm currently using the JK Audio Broadcast Host, which I think uh, mm-hmm. retails around $500. I get an an, um, an amazing amount of static on the line. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and are you bringing in any static, do you notice, from the Telos line because of just the standard static on a phone line? or or does that- No. No, I think this is where they tell us how, you know, they really have, they're the industry standard or one of them for broadcast audio. And this is where a lot of that stuff goes away. Uh, So I don't deal with that at all. I mean, the setup is super easy. I tweaked a couple of uh, parameters from an adjustment of input and output. And the darn thing just works. Uh, yeah. If you've heard my show on Sundays, it just works. Yeah, I, I think that that's the route I'm going to have to end up going. Um, obviously, that you know, when you think about putting five hundred dollars towards a piece of equipment, and then thinking, you know, I'm gonna have to go to what'd you say, twenty two hundred or something like that. No, no, no. You can get a Telos one, a single one. That's oh, all yeah. you really need. About seven. probably seven hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So don't. And that's all you need. I, I got, I bought this one news from Grape Radio that happens to live out here in California, and I got a heck of an incredible deal on it, and so I picked it up. I don't even use the second one at all. I don't need it. Gotcha. Well, that's good to hear. And, and so um, now if you're listening to this interview and the, the prices that we just mentioned scare the bejeebies out of you. Yeah, uh, we're, not, we're not the norm, right? <laughs> we, we are not your normal podcaster. I mean, we literally are, are producing, I, I think both you and I would, it's safe to say we're producing uh, radio station quality programming uh, with, uh, on a budget that is really amazing if you consider it, uh, what we're doing. Uh, but but yeah, we're not your typical podcaster. Uh, you can do a lot of the stuff um, on a much lower budget. But the thing is, is when you start, when when I started out in podcasting, and I don't know about you, Victor, but when I started out, when I thought you know two hundred and twenty dollars for a for a mixer, I'm like, oh my gosh, should I really spend that much money on this hobby? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, if you really get serious about this, and you don't have to, by the way, you never have no. to get serious about this. Uh, but if you get serious about this, like I said, like we had mentioned, there are ways to make money. And if you want to invest in, in audio quality and production, uh, it doesn't take long before you have several thousand dollars worth of equipment in podcasting. So That's for sure. And, uh, you know, you really have to kind of measure that out. I, I've been lucky that I've been able to make money. And then, so of course, I wanted to pump the money right back into the business. You know, I was a musician before I started podcasting, still am. And so I had some of the equipment already, but I've uh, I've upgraded as I've gone along. And uh, matter of fact, my next purchase, is I want to get an Apex 230 and get out of the post-production, you know, audio business as much as possible. Yeah, see, I I started out wanting to get out of the post-production. That's why Cliff has done this uh, whole live and unscripted little deal that I've got going on most of the time. Although this one's going to have a little post-production work. So uh, let me ask you, Victor, now I, I can't imagine that the typical Mac or PC user was your very first podcast, or was it? Oh. Oh, it was. It was my first one, and the Mac one was my second. And then I have a kind of a sleeper podcast out there called Immigration Tales, which hasn't been updated in a while, but it still has 11 wonderful episodes. Now, um, tell me that very first podcast that you ever produced. What equipment were you using back then for that very first one? Uh, I was using uh, Mackie. 1420, I think it was. It was the non-Onyx Mackie. I was using a... Uh, What's, what? When you say a non-Onyx Mackie, is that uh, it a was mixer? A, yeah, a mixer. Just okay. a traditional 14-channel mixer that I already owned. I was because using you were a musician, a, of course. Because I was a musician, yeah. I was using a TBX um, 266 compressor limiter, a, an SM58 microphone, sure SM58 microphone, uh, an Ederol sound card for my PC external firewire sound card and uh, i was using oh what is the audition soundtrack no uh the audition high-end program uh, that adobe I audition 2.0 that's it yeah, yeah. I, I was 1.5 i think 1.5. at that time now that's amazing for your very first podcast you have what some people will grow into over time <laughs> uh i remember my first podcast i i used a laptop and a $14.99 headphone-slash-microphone combination kit recording directly into this SourceForge free Audacity recording software. So we started out in a little different uh, areas. But uh, the the first show, um, was it something that you still have out there somewhere? Is it still living online somewhere? It's not living online somewhere because I, I took it off, um, you know, when I closed down the typical PC user site um, with a blue screen of death, it said, go buy a Mac. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, but, you know, I probably have it um, somewhere. I probably have that very first episode uh, somewhere in my many, many hard drives. How many episodes of podcasts do you th- do you estimate you maybe have recorded to date? Uh, Four hundred and thirty, probably. Yeah, right? because I yeah I did about one hundred and eighty three PC podcast. I'm at about uh, maybe two hundred or something between live and and recorded Mac podcast, and then I've done eleven of the Immigration Tales, so a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, 
A lot of hours. A lot of hours. Now, your wife, how does she feel about your podcasting habits? She's great. Uh, you know, I, I'm just very lucky to have a very understanding wife all my life about geek stuff. It's always, this isn't the first thing I do, or nor is it the last. I also enjoy and have a passion for photography and for computing in general and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So she's really good about it. And we, you know, we kind of worked out a deal uh, at this point where Sundays, it's kind of my podcasting day. And, uh, you know, pretty much dawn to dusk. That's what I do on Sundays. And, uh, that's it. I mean, that's a good 12-hour day, and I can get most of my production done on that day. You know, occasionally, of course, as we both know, keep up on the feeds, keep up on Twitter. Now, keep up on Facebook. I left it for a while, but I'm back now. <laughs> I mean, this thing is like it's like a living, growing thing, and so you have to um, work at it. There's no excuse to not work. If you want results, if you want large audience, if you want community – you got to work it, and uh, there's only you. Nobody else is going to do it for you. I mean, unless you go work for Cliff, you know, then maybe he'll have some people that'll do it for him. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, you know, you never know. Yeah. So let's see here. Um, what question do I do? I want to ask you next. I'll ask you this one. What do you do for a living? I mean, obviously, you're you're not podcasting full time yet. Uh, so so what, no. do you, what do you do for a living? You mentioned something uh, about technology. Yeah, I'm a me. Uh, I'm a let me see how do I put this. Uh, upper level manager for a telco, major telco, and uh, I've had that job for 19 years. It's in the computing IT world, and uh, you know when Adam Curry was out there saying, you know, uh, quit your day job, I you know I wrote back and said, no thanks for your contract, and you know unless you have like seven figures or whatever it is, I don't even know how many figures that is. Unless you have a lot of money up front, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, that 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 is. There's definitely some people that that have taken that leap of faith and ha- they have jumped and and they're making it. And some are even trying today. Uh, it's awesome. It, I mean, I I applaud you guys. Yeah, it it it's definitely a, a it's it's a, you know the thing is is that there's always something out there that looks appealing and and you really have to take calculated risks and and all those other things. Um, but but yeah, I, there's and there's no reason why anybody ever has to leave their day job. They, I mean, podcasting really is the one thing that you can produce some awesome content, getting extremely large audiences. You can make some fun money on the side, and, <laughs> and it can remain a hobby. It, it, it's something that totally can happen, and uh, I think that, that you're exactly uh, a perfect example of that. Yep, that's absolutely. I'll, I will be that. I'll wave that flag anytime. Have fun, make some money, support your habit, and uh, and bring community and friends into your life. Sure, that's yes. what I do. So bringing us into that portion of the conversation, what are some of the ways that you have found to engage your audience? I, I, obviously, live and interactive, inviting them to participate in the conversation. We, we've, uh-huh. we've already talked about that angle, but what are some other ways that you are engaging your listeners? Well, uh, be responsive. You know, I'm very responsive to emails. I always uh, respond as quickly as I can, and uh, I make sure that I do that. Um, you know, don't don't talk down to people. I mean, these are my peers in technology. I happen to um, have the facilitation vehicle, and that's all. And so I, I, I make them part of the show. I involve other podcasters in my same segment, Mac Casting and uh, Mac Podcasting. And I bring them in, and I, you know, my Sunday shows. I always have co-hosts. I hardly ever do a show alone. Um, 
you know, I bring people from other Maccasters, other developers in the community, people who I respect, and I bring them to the show and we do it together. And it's just a total win-win when you do it that way. And people always tell me, you know, Victor, I hear you everywhere, here and there and there and there. And I was like, that's building community. And sure, sure, I, my podcast wins as a result of that. Sure. Yep. And what ways have you found effective uh, in promoting your show among people who are not already listeners? Well, when I had the PC show, I used to go out to the AARP forums and I used to answer, you know, little old ladies and Uncle Mel's Windows questions about, you know, whatever was broken. I would sit there and answer those questions and say, oh, by the way, if you want to learn more, come over and uh, over here and listen to this internet radio show. Uh We'd never call it a podcast. And so uh, it's a challenge for all of us, Uh, you know. Cross-promote with shows that are not in your same category. You know, I'd love for you to play a promo of my Mac show on your Lost podcast. Send it over. You know, I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are the kind of things we have to do. We have to be extreme. Same thing. You know, play a Lost podcast promo on my technical show. And I think we kind of, that's how we have to break out of this mold, um, which my wife has a funny name for, which we'll talk about offline. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you that that is really critical, um, and it's and it's the one piece in the puzzle that I find that so easily slips my mind is this idea of promoting your show actively and doing it. I mean, because once you get a couple thousand listeners, you can really kind of get settled in and and kind of forget about how you got there. And uh, mm-hmm. so, absolutely, you have to be proactive about it. It's something. That I think, uh, I mean, of course, it depends on what you want to be and, and where you want to be in podcasting, what your desires and what your goals and motivations are. But uh, if you want your show to continue to grow, you mm-hmm. have, you have, you can't just expect all your listeners to go out and tell other people. Although that is a good, uh, w- there are good ways about getting that yeah. done. But, yeah. Uh, but absolutely. Vic- no, I mean, I've done things like I've uh, I've uh, bought commercial time. I bought commercial time from another podcast, a, a patio book, an author I liked, you know, and I paid him to play my ads. You know, I didn't have to pay him, but I wanted to spread the wealth. I had the money at the time, believed in what he was doing, so I sponsored his show for eight weeks. Great. That worked. Brought me listeners. Is there any new trends that you see in podcasting or in new media in general that you're excited about? That I'm excited about. Or, okay, um, maybe that that okay. Let's let's forget that uh, that you see out there. Are there some new trends in podcasting uh, that you're aware of? Wow, um, not positive trends. I see some negative trends uh, with uh, you know big business and big media. You know, wanting to hoard the space completely, utterly, and you know functionally, and that scares the bejesus out of me. Um, I see some other. Um, you know, I see iTunes, um, they're getting a little better as far as not having a self-perpetuating engine, you know, which I'm a part of, which means that if you can get yourself into iTunes, then you can get more reviews, then you can keep yourself in iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're outside of that loop, good luck. Right. It's really hard to do. I think they're getting better at, at featuring different ones and, and so on, because otherwise, at least in technology, it's the same 15, 20 people that, that's been there since 05. Oh, and by the way, they come from big media. Yeah, and, and 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 they know how to do things that we don't even have a clue about. Yep. They're looking at us going, let me just 
click you off my shoulder, get out of my way, kid. I got a real show to produce here. Yeah. And the, and and they're making large money. Don't let them fool you. Oh, they yeah. are making huge dollars today, even though they're self-sponsored or sponsored by listeners, they're making huge money. Absolutely. And and I think that's why it's important for us to to get out there. I think I think every mark or every podcaster uh, that wants to grow their podcast uh, needs to think about their podcast in the marketing aspect of it. And and there are a lot of other ways outside of iTunes to get out there. And and, I, and if, you know joining forums, basically going where the people are that surround your passion. And uh, so uh-huh. yes, absolutely. Victor, I'm going to ask you uh, this uh, last question here. What podcast are you listening to uh, in your own free time? Uh, free time. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is this free time you speak of? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, wow. What am I listening to? Uh, the Mac cast. I love Adam's work. Mac OS Ken. Fantastic Mac podcaster. News. Daily news. A great writer. So I love that. Okay. I love a show called uh, Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy show put on by a gentleman named John Bell. He does almost all the voices, and he's a radio producer, and it's an absolute hoot. Um, pod, you know, family safe and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I listen to? I'm going down my list here. Um, one, my favorite produced show is called WNYC's Radio Lab, and they are they are a, you know, big time public radio and they do fantastic incredible production of audio and they interwave it into a story and it's absolutely uh, wonderful and then this american life in the in the same passion i have a ton of them i don't know uh seven no how many items do i have like i don't know 96 subscribed to but i don't yeah. get to all of them no i don't doubt. get to all of them i wish i could Wonderful. What what direction do you hope to head in the future? Any anything new on your horizon in the area of podcasting? Hmm. I, I don't really know. Um, you know, that's a really good question. Um, just to have the energy tomorrow to be able to want to still do it. That right. that's you know that's it for me. Um, everything else will just come if you know God wants it to come. Uh, at least that's what I think. If I do my part, everything else will take care of itself. Very cool. Well, everybody, this has been Victor Kahayel. Okay, we're going to teach you here. All right. We're going to do this lesson because I know all of you can learn from this. All right. So it's Ka. You got that right. Ka. And He, like He-Man. Ah, okay. Kahi. And then And then Ow, like I just pinched you. Kahiao. Kahiao. I've got it now. So anyway, you guys can check out Victor's Typical Mac User podcast at typicalmacuser.com. Dot com. Is That's that right. correct? And he has some wonderful audio podcast over there. Occasionally, if you check it out, you'll find a uh, screencast, short little tutorial uh, showing you v- with video of his desktop, showing you how to do some neat little things from time to time. Uh, Victor, it's been an honor to get to talk with you today. Thank you for setting aside this time to do our interview today. Glad we could talk, Cliff. All right. We'll be back soon. Everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of the Podcast Answer Man. You can find this and all of our other shows that we produce over at gspn.tv. And of course, we invite you to join the community.
Internet talk show. Check it out at T A L K S H O E dot com.